0: Welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Gospel of John, chapter four. In, um... In the early years of Jesus' public ministry, he made a trip to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. While he was there in the city during those days of Passover, he, uh, he was doing a lot of teaching, a lot of ministry. And it was during those days that he had a special visitor come and see him. It was one of the Pharisees, one of the leading Pharisees. His name was Nicodemus. And the story of this encounter with Nicodemus is recorded for us in chapter three of the gospel of John, where Nicodemus comes to him and says, we, we know that you're a teacher sent from God because no one can do the things that you're doing unless they're sent from God. And then Jesus introduces him to the whole concept of being born again. And that confuses this spiritual giant. <clears throat> and Jesus is confused that he's confused and says, how can you be a spiritual leader of Israel? And you don't understand this. Well, Jesus knew why he didn't know. He had spiritual blindness in measure. And so Jesus then began to teach him. But it was also during these days that Jesus is teaching and ministering there in Jerusalem that the Pharisees discover that Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples, even than John the Baptist. Now you need to understand Jesus didn't baptize. He he trained his disciples and they did the baptizing, but they were making and baptizing more disciples than John the Baptist. And this was making the Pharisees very, very nervous. so now we're in John chapter four. Jesus is called by God to go back into the Galilee area but but on his journey back to the Galilee area he is to go by way of Samaria now on this on this map that you see here you notice on the on the right hand side there are two there are two main roads. There's a red road and there's a black road. And then right in the middle of them is a blue line, right? Can you see that? That blue line is the Jordan River. The red road and the black road are the two roads that lead north to the Galilee area up the Jordan Valley. Now, look right in the center of the map, that yellow area. It also has two yellow lines going north. Can you see that? That yellow area is the mountains. They're rather rather rugged mountain area. That's Samaria. In John chapter 4, it says that Jesus is going to go back to Galilee in his ministry And he must needs go through Samaria. Well, geographically, no. It's easier for him to go from Jerusalem downhill 3,000 feet to the Jordan Valley and take one of those roads north through the Jordan Valley. Much smoother, much easier walking. But he must go through Samaria. Well, to go through Samaria, that's to go through the mountain area, the rugged area. Much more arduous journey to go back to Galilee through the Samaria area. Why? God had a divine appointment for him. God had a divine appointment waiting for him. And so he takes... The rugged road going through the mountain region instead of going down through the Jordan Valley. And as he goes north on this journey through Samaria, by noontime, he arrives at a community named Sychar. And outside of Sychar, there was a plot of ground. We're not told how large, but a plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph, and he had dug a well on that ground. And yes, it's that Jacob of the book of Genesis whose name was changed to Israel. Jacob who cheated his brother, his name was changed to Israel instead of being the cheat. He's now a man of God. And yes, it's that Joseph that became a prime minister of Egypt but was first sold into slavery and then was actually put in prison on on false charges but ends up a prime minister of Egypt. those, Those two people are connected and this is a picture of the actual well. It's still there today. Isn't that amazing to think about? It's kind of like the well... In Jericho, that's recorded in 2 Kings, that Elisha turned the water to sweet, right? It was was poisonous, and he turned the water to sweet. That well is still there today. I've drank water from that well in Jericho. It's it's still there. It's amazing to think about these, these ancient things. That are still there. And this is a, this is a picture of the well. It, it looks a little gaudy. And the reason is because centuries ago. A church organization built a church building around the well. And so the well is actually now in, in the sanctuary of a, of a church. Kind of odd. But anyway. But the, the well is still there. And it's still functioning. J- Jesus. By noontime gets to Sychar and he arrives at that well and he's tired. It's an arduous journey up through those mountains. They're walking. Okay. And and so he he arrives at the well and he sits down to rest. And the disciples, they're hungry. It's noontime, they're hungry. And so they go into the city to go to McDonald's of that day to get lunch. And so the disciples are gone into town to get lunch. Jesus is there at the well. And while he is there at the well, his divine appointment arrives. And it's a woman that Jesus is to encounter at the well. When the disciples come back with lunch, and they arrive back at the well, they are shocked. Number one, Jesus is talking to a woman in public. That was forbidden. The cultural laws of that day forbid men to talk to women in public. In fact, if you were a really good Pharisee, every morning, the first thing you would do is you would step out of bed, and you would stand, and you would thank God that you were not born a woman. That must have made the wife feel really encouraged, okay? I mean, I don't like that culture either, and I know you don't. But it was, it was, you were not to speak to a woman in public. Jesus is talking to a woman. But there's a second thing. He's, it's a Samaritan woman, and Jews were not to speak to Samaritans. And so the disciples are in shock that Jesus is talking to a woman. Well, as they're arriving, Jesus' conversation with this woman, and that's a whole different lesson, ends... She heads back to town, and the disciples are trying to get Jesus to eat. Master, you're tired. It's lunchtime. You better eat. And Jesus says, look, I've got food to eat that you don't know about. And they're looking at one of them going, well, did the woman bring him lunch? How, How did he get something to eat? The woman must have brought him lunch. And yet, when they saw the woman, they knew that this wasn't a normal woman of Sychar, because if it had been a normal woman of Sychar, she would have drawn water from the well inside the town, not the one outside the town. Secondly, she was dressed in a way that let them know she was not of the normal normal women of the community. She was... An outcast from the community. Why would she be bringing him lunch? And why would he receive lunch from a woman like that? There's just so many things here that's causing the disciples to be very confused and frustrated with the master. And Jesus is trying to help them understand. My my food is to do the will of my Father, and Father has given me a divine appointment. And then about that time, Jesus says this, look, the fields are white to harvest. And, and, the, and the disciples look out across the field, and here's coming a huge crowd out of the city towards Jesus and towards the well. And what they see is a large crowd of Samaritans. You see, the the disciples have the same eye disorder that the prophet Samuel had. And let me digress for a moment. And let's fast forward, or, or excuse me, let's go back a few hundred years to the time of the prophet Samuel and King Saul. King Saul has been an arrogant, disobedient, self-engrandizing king, and God has rejected him, and he has sent the prophet Samuel to go to the community of Bethlehem to anoint the next king from one of the sons of Jesse. And as he arrives there, he has Jesse bring his sons in because he's going to anoint the next king. And Jesse did what most fathers would do. He brings in his sons and his oldest son who has shown himself to be a valiant warrior, and he brings him by, and he's not the one. Then he brings the next one, who's a really good-looking kid. He's not the one. Then he brings the next one. He's not the one. And he goes through all of his sons, and none of them are the one chosen. And God says, well, we have up here on the screen. And I didn't bring my pointer with me today because I don't, I don't have enough pockets, okay? So can you read this with me with, without my pointer? Can we read without the bouncing ball? Okay, here we go. Everyone together. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I've refused him for the Lord does not see as man sees for man looks at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart Mm -hmm. Samuel goes through all the sons and he goes is this all of them Jesse? and Jesse goes nah we got the red headed kid out in the field well go get him. And they go bring the red-headed teenager in. And God anoints him as king. Because what's going on? Samuel has an eye disorder. He's looking at all the outward appearance and he's seeing a valiant warrior. He's seeing a good-looking guy. He's seeing a big guy, a strong guy. He's seeing. And God's not looking at the stature, God's looking at the heart. God wants the teenager. The disciples have an eye disorder. They see this crowd coming, and what they see are Samaritans. Samaritans are a mixed breed. They're outcasts from the Jews. The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans because they're a mixed breed. They're not true Jews. They're mixed Jews. Not only that, they've got a messed up religion. They've taken... The religion of the true almighty God, and they've mixed it with all the false gods of the nations around them. It's mixed up, messed up religion. They worship in the the mountains of Samaria. They don't go down to the mountain of God, Mount Zion in Jerusalem. They don't worship at the temple of God in Jerusalem. They worship at their own place there in Samaria. They're messed up. And we don't have anything to do with them. And they see this crowd of Samaritans coming and they're offended. Jesus doesn't see a crowd of Samaritans coming. Jesus sees a crowd of broken people coming. Jesus sees a crowd of people that needs the true and the living God. Jesus is seeing people that need love mercy and grace that's what that's what Jesus sees and, and he's saying to the disciples you got you got an eye disorder look look the fields are white to harvest and, and the word for look here is, is the word that means would you look with perception please and, and they're they're, seeing, they're not seeing what Jesus is seeing. I, I have a question for you this morning. It's a, very, it's a very important, very serious question. What did Jesus mean when he said to his disciples, go into the city and preach the kingdom of God is at hand? What did he mean when he said to his disciples, go into the cities and heal the sick, cleanse the leper? What did he mean when he said, go into the cities and cast out demons and raise the dead? What what did he mean? What, what, did, what did Jesus mean when he was saying that to his disciples? Was, was he speaking rhetorically? Was he, was he speaking allegorically? Was he speaking, as many theologians have taught down through the centuries, dispensationally? So it was, it, it was a dispensation where, where God was going to go into the cities and bring his kingdom, and he was going to go into his cities, and he was going to, he was going to heal the sick and cleanse the leper, and, and, he, and he was going to cast out devils and raise the dead. But, but that was a dispensation. <clears throat> Or was Jesus indicating that that was what his church was supposed to be like? That that when he said to the disciples, upon this rock, I build my church and I give to you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And so he means for his church, as long as his church is on planet earth, he means for his church to go into cities and preach the kingdom of heaven is here now. And kingdom authority is here now. When he said to his disciples, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. In my name, cast out demons. In my name, speak with new tongues. In my name, you'll take up serpents. In my name, if you drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. In my name, you shall heal the sick. Was Jesus saying that to his church for as long as his church is on planet earth? The answer is yes. 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 Yes and yes, to all those. It's now. But see, we cannot adequately answer that question that's on the screen with its subpoints if we have the same eye disorder that the disciples had. God's God's calling us to raise the level of our living to the level he sees. So that we can see people the same way Jesus sees people. How's your eyesight? What do you see? Go ahead and jump to... Are, are you willing to admit you have an eye disorder? Are you willing to be honest with your own heart that you have an eye disorder? See, see I... When, when I came into Christianity back in the dark ages in the 1960s they they, they were suffering in the church from the same eye disorder the church is suffering from today now there's there's a little difference but it's the same kind of myopia because my generation coming into the church we had long hair and stringy jeans and we had we had Strange kind of music. We didn't sing hymnology, and we didn't sing the old Southern gospel. We weren't singing "I'll Fly Away" and just a little talk with Jesus. We weren't singing those songs. We were we were strumming a guitar and singing "Jesus, Jesus, whoa, whoa," you know. And uh, it was it was just a little different, okay? Hey, come on, 1960s, "Honey Tree," you know, uh, Keith Green. See that it was it was a whole new kind of music, and the church was saying, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. That can't be God. Those long-haired hippies and those stringy jeans and that weird music sounds too much like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones." And and so we weren't really being accepted. But the really weird thing was, thousands of us were being baptized in the Pacific and being authentically converted and lives were being changed. And new churches were rising up. That's what gave birth to the Calvary Chapel. It's kind of weird today. The Calvary Chapel that was birthed then doesn't accept a lot of the stuff today. It's really kind of odd, but that's 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 church history. It's church history. See myopia. We stop having the ability to see what Jesus sees, and and it's the same thing today. Them them millennials. I mean everything. I mean when you read, it's all bad press about the millennials. But can I, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Folks that are my age, can I tell you something that's amazing about the millennials? They want to be mentored. Now, true, true, I'll say this about it. They want to be heard also. And they want their opinions to be respected. And they're going to ask, can I drive the bus? They don't want to just come along for the ride can they sit in the driver's seat? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But see, we look at them and go, well, they're just an entitled generation and they need to learn. And, and, and we're, we're constantly wanting to sit them down. Can I tell you, we've got to see them with the same eyes. Jesus sees them because I want to tell you something, when, when they get committed, that's, it's, I know it's, it's tough to get them to sit down their phone and, 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 and to sit down their iPad long enough to really hear. I, I get that. I know. I know. I don't understand either how come they went from the telephone backwards to the telegraph. And only those of us that are over 50 get that. I always say Alexander Graham Bell developed the telephone because it was better than the telegraph. You could talk to a human being, but they don't want to talk to a human being. They want to text a human being. Okay? All right. It, you can fight it or you can text. I choose to text. Okay. I love to talk though. I'd much rather talk. Now, Wanda, she would would rather text any day. than She's a millennial at heart. (laughs) But it's, listen, listen, church, listen to me. If we don't get the eyes of Jesus, we're going to miss our greatest opportunity in this generation. We've got to connect with them. That's why here, we give them an avenue to move from being. That's why, you know, juniors in high school, seniors, we're already having them in, in leadership training, student leadership. Then we want to move them. Once they've graduated, we want to move them into, into the next level of leadership and mentoring. Because why? Because we want to get them into, Right? Yeah. Right? Oh, don't don't faint we have millennials on our elder and deacon board oh, that's good. That's good. yes it's good you bet it's good do you know do you know how early we start training leadership Wanda has junior deacons in super kids is it fifth grade is that when they can apply fourth grade fourth grade they can apply and they start getting leadership I mean, is that like genius or what why wait? Go ahead, start training them. Yes. That way, yes. amen. Come on, because listen, we've got to see what Jesus sees, but that's only going to happen if we're willing to admit we have an eye disorder. So, what, 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 what do you see at work? Do you see progressives or Republicans? Have guns or gun control? Do you see pro-life or pro-abortion? Do you see pro-gay or straight? What, what what do you see at work? See if you're looking with the natural eye. And see immediately somebody. As soon as I said that stuff, immediately somebody going, So what are you? Are you against guns? But you again. see that immediately that came to people's hearts because we're seeing people through the human eye yeah. and not seeing them with the eye of Jesus. Because dear ones, the only way we can see them with the eye of Jesus is we must have the Holy Spirit do eye surgery. So we see people the way Jesus sees people and I'm not talking now about right and wrong about moral values do you notice when Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well he immediately knew who she was he saw her with the natural eye but he refused to let what he saw with the natural eye determine his conversation with her because he wanted to have a divine appointment And so he saw her with the spiritual eye and he first had a spiritual conversation with her, which then opened the opportunity for him to talk to her about the moral issue. And when she understood the love, mercy, and grace that he had for her, she said, you're a prophet. Well, I'm more than a prophet. I'm actually the Messiah that you've been looking for. Because these Samaritans look for Messiah too. Now, they had a messed up religion, but they were looking for a Messiah. Jesus was the Messiah. But he couldn't get there if he did not see her with the eyes of love, mercy, and grace first. That's why through the the years I've been able to help so many lesbians and homosexuals. Because I refuse to let my first encounter with them be that. I want to see them with the eyes of Jesus. They're broken. They're broken. They're broken. It's it's broken people that get confused over their human sexuality. It's, It's a broken person. Jesus wants to heal them. Come on, amen. It's a broken person that gets stuck in addictions. He wants to heal them. We got to see them. So we must be willing to admit we have an eye disorder and raise the level of our living. So let me ask you a question. At work, would you see the people that are around you at work are, are, are you seeing, are you seeing people with the natural eye? Your neighbors, are you seeing them with the natural eye? Let me ask you a question: When is the last time you authentically prayed for the people you work with? I mean authentically. I'm not talking about you prayed and said, "Oh God, will You help them?" I, they're so lazy. They're so, they're so messed up. No, that, that's, that's complaining. That's not praying. Praying is where you see them with the eyes of Jesus, and your heart hurts for them the way God's heart hurts for them. And so you begin to authentically pray for them by name and ask Jesus to bring them to salvation. I'm, I'm, I'm in a situation in, in my neighborhood now where in, through my prayer walking, we, we had had three of our neighbors come to salvation, but now they've all moved. And so now I got to start praying. For, for now, I got a bunch of new ones I got to get prayed in. See, what, what? And yesterday, I got a chance to talk to one of the new ones. <laughs> okay? Come on. What what see, are you authentically, now here, here, it really gets radical. Have you ever fasted and prayed for those in your workplace, for those in your neighborhood? See what we're talking about, we're talking about raising, do, do, do you pray for divine appointments every day? Do you ask God to give you divine appointments every day? See what we're talking about dear ones is we're talking about we are beginning to see our community the way Jesus sees our community and realize the whole reason he has the church here on planet earth is not just to hold sunday meetings but it is for us to take the kingdom of god into our community so we can transform the community one person at a time yes 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 that's the whole idea To transform the community one person. If you want to see America change, folks, the way to see America change is we have got to have an authentic spiritual transformation in America. That's what's needed. The reason Chicago is blown apart is because the church has let Chicago go to hell. The reason Memphis is blowing apart is because the church has let Memphis go to hell. The reason Washington, D.C. is the way it is is because the church has let it happen. It's the church's fault. We have not been what Jesus said we were to be. Take the kingdom of God into the city and preach. The kingdom of God has come. Be healed. Be healed. Cleanse the leper. Cast out devils. Don't let the devil have your neighborhood. Drive him out. Well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. I refuse to let drug houses in my neighborhoods. I've done that for years. And every time one has started, I've started prayer walking around it, and it only takes a few weeks and they're gone. You don't have to let the devil have your neighborhood, you don't have to let the devil have control of everything. Not when the church is the church. Amen? Raise the level. Raise the level of your living. Raise it to a higher level. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-448 six or email us at info at winacity